Don't say it today. Just tell them, say, you're not alone. Not just today. Because when you leave this place, you're still not alone. Amen. Amen. So thankful for His Spirit leads us and guides us. Thankful for His power in our lives. Amen. We had three that got baptized last Sunday. Amen. God is good. Amen. That makes four here just in the last month. And uh, God is doing some great things. Amen. We're thankful for that. I'd like to just before, you can be seated, I'd like before I get into the Word today, I'd like to take just a moment, and uh, I, she disappeared, but I'd like for Alex and Damon and uh, Julia, they, Alex and Julia disappeared, I think they might have gone to the nursery, but I wanted to recognize our graduates, and uh, if I'm missing one, please somebody let me know, but uh, three of our young people graduated from high school this year, and we want to recognize that accomplishment, amen, and just kind of show them off to you, amen. We're so thankful. How many of you are thankful for what God's doing in your life? Amen. Amen. Uh, what an awesome uh, opportunity that we have uh, to serve Him, to live for Him, and to allow Him, amen, to lead and guide our lives. And we're just excited. God's been doing some great things. Uh, last Sunday, um, I preached a little bit about the Holy Ghost, and I preached a little bit about forgiveness. And uh, this week, we were at camp, and one of the preachers started to preach, and my wife looked over at me, and she goes, I just heard this message. Amen. Which is awesome. I love it when God confirms Amen. What he is uh, speaking to us. And so uh, we're thankful for that. Thankful that God knows right where we are. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know where Julie is at, but Alex and, and uh, Damon, if you guys would come on up here, I just want everybody to see who you are. Amen. And uh, recognize your accomplishment. Amen. Amen. And you know Julia graduated, most of you already knew that, but many of you didn't know Alex and Damon graduated. We're so proud of them, amen, and I believe there's Julia right there. Amen. We're proud of them. Aren't you proud of them, amen, for graduating high school? You do a great job, amen. The best is yet to come. Amen. And they are thinking, oh, hallelujah, we got to the end. And we're thinking, welcome to the beginning. <laughs> Amen. God bless you guys. We're going to keep praying for them. Amen. And we're going to believe that God is going to use them to do great things. Amen. Amen. Give them a hand as they go back to their seats. Amen. They didn't know I was going to do that. I like to call them out every once in a while just to make sure that they're still paying attention. Amen. 
If you have your Bibles, if you would, we're going to turn to a few scriptures today. Last week, um, when I left here, I felt like God was going to kind of have the direction of this Sunday uh, be about fear. And I, I really wasn't sure what direction it was going to go. And uh, over the course of the week, I've had three or four confirmations of what I'm supposed to speak to you today. And uh, many of you know, many of you came to me last Sunday and said, man, Pastor, you know, what you uh, followed God's leading to say, um, that, was, that was for me. Now, I don't know who this specifically is for, but I do know uh, some of you it is going to affect you dramatically. So uh, don't think I'm trying to call you out. There's, I, I told the leaders before we, when we were meeting today and praying over the service, I said, um, an hireling or a pastor that is just here to get a paycheck or uh, to draw a crowd, he wouldn't preach a message like what I'm getting ready to preach. Don't get nervous. But the reason that I'm preaching what I'm getting ready to preach is because I want to see some of you set free. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, let's stand. We're going to turn to a couple scriptures. The first one will be Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25. And it says in the ESV, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. A good word. Somebody say, Pastor, preach a good word today. Amen. That's what I'm hoping to do. I want to preach a good word to you today. Psalm 27 in verse 1, and the King James reads, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 43 in verse 1, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Amen. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you are a child of God. He has called you His. Amen. Amen. And our final scripture before you're seated, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1. On my Bible, it's page 1930. I don't know what it is on your Bible or your device, but 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 in the King James. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've already begun to do in this house. And God, those who are you are going to set free before we leave today. I pray, God, that you would use these lips of clay to speak the word that you have given me today. But God, don't let them only hear my voice, but let them hear your living word speaking to their hearts today. And God, we will give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Now, like you really believe it, say amen. Amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. Anybody in here ever felt like you were scared to death? Anybody? A couple of you? Okay, good. Thanks for admitting it. All of us at some point have had to deal with 
fear, or more specifically, a spirit of fear. The Scripture says God has not given us the spirit of fear, so fear is a spirit. Now, I don't want you to go around looking for, you know, devils behind every bush or anything like that, but, but I, I will say that we are not in a, a natural battle as much as we are in a spiritual battle. The Scripture talks about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there are spirits that we must uh, contend with, that we must deal with in the spirit realm. And the problem with many of us is we try to deal with the spiritual only in the natural. In the spirit world, spirits don't always manifest in the same way. There are some spirits that uh, can be very bold and can take on uh, different forms and, the, and, and they, they kind of use masks uh, to, to come at people. Uh, some of those masks and some of those ways they manifest are more bold and, and others are more sly and deceptive and, and, and cunning. Uh, they're more hidden. We don't necessarily... Uh, let, me, let me see if I can help you understand what I mean. Like bold, defiant spirits are spirits like rebellion. Rebellion. Rebellion, uh, you know, it manifests. You've seen it, probably some of you have seen it on your children before, right? The spirit of rebellion, and, you know, hopefully you dealt with it, and, uh, you know, you, you kind of, hey, we're not going to have that, right? Uh, but, you know, it can manifest itself in the church, too. When I see somebody that's baptized in Jesus' name and they're filled with the Holy Ghost and they refuse to worship no matter what we sing or what we do here and they just stand there like a statue, I know there's a spirit of rebellion that is working on their life. Amen? It's kind of a, it's kind of a non-worshiping mentality like, you know, God should be glad that I'm here, you know. Uh, and then there's other spirits, spirits like homosexuality, that's a bold, defiant spirit, it's a flamboyant, like a in-your-face, like, you know, what are you going to do about it kind of spirit. And then there's doubt, and doubt is shown in the expressions on your face, and sometimes you don't even realize that you have, uh, you know, I I'm preaching sometimes in faith, I start to see faith come into the house, and people start to get excited about what they believe, and they know that God is able to do, and I see some people with doubt expressions all over their face. And it's just, it's easy from up here to see doubt. And doubt is easily manifest. It's a bold spirit. But when, when faith gets involved, uh, doubt has to manifest itself because, you know, uh, we see. And, and so that's why we, we, we come against those spirits. But uh, anger is a bold spirit. Hatred is a, a bold spirit. Racism is a bold spirit. Like, there's no shame. They don't care. It's just straightforward. They're just uh, 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 hateful and mean and, and rude and just bold and defiant in every way. And then there's spirits that are deceptive and they hide and uh, they are more cunning and sly. Spirits like pride. Pride can be in somebody's life for a very long time and never really show itself until that moment. Witchcraft is a, is a sly spirit. You notice that most uh, witches don't show up at church and, and curse churches and curse ministries. And you know why? Because they're scared of the blood of Jesus. They know that they have no power, amen, where the blood of Jesus has been claimed. And so 
Witchcraft will stay in the, in the thicket. It will stay in the distance and it will curse the church from a distance. It will curse government from a distance. It will curse any man or woman of God from a distance because it is a deceptive and hiding spirit. There are spirits of uh, lying spirits and lying spirits try to stay hidden and deception and stealing and things like that that, that you may not see and they will not necessarily always come to the surface and manifest themselves right away. Way and but you need to know the whole reason I'm telling you about spirits is because you need to understand what is coming at you. You need to understand that fear is a spirit. If fear is upon you, some of you, oh, well, that's it's just no big deal, Pastor. It's no, I, you know, I just get a little nervous about this and that. It's not really fear. If fear is upon you, let let me hear. Let me just make this clear for you. It is a spirit, but God did not send it. If fear is on you, it's a spirit, but God did not send it to you according to what we just read. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And when fear is exposed, it is time for us to face the fear. And sometimes God allows things in our life, He allows things to happen, so we have to face fear. When fear is exposed, what do you do with it? How do you handle it? What, what's, what, is, your, uh, what is your method for dealing with fear? So we're going to talk about this for the next few moments today, and, and I can already tell you some of you are uncomfortable. I can see some of you shifting. I can see your, your, your body language and you're nervous, uh, but we're going to set you free today. Amen. You're going to be free today. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to deal with this spirit. And so to deal with it, we've got to first expose it for what it is. You can't really, can't really deal with something that you don't know how to, you don't even know what's there, right? So let me talk about it just for a few minutes. This church is moving forward. Okay, every time we start to gain momentum, every time we start to pick up some steam, it's like we're hit again by another attack. It, it seems like there are, there, is, there are spirits that are gripping people and, and, and pulling people apart and pulling people away, and their, their mentality uh, is so uh, vexed and tormented by this spirit of fear, and sometimes it's a corporate attack against all of us, like when we uh, face the issue with our trusses failing here in the sanctuary and, and, and a few other things like that that we've had to deal with on a large scale, sometimes it's a more specific or personal attack against you or against maybe your, your, your uh, uh, marriage or one of your children. It may be a specific attack against a whole family. But can I tell you, this church is continuing to move forward. We have decided we are not going to let anything stop us. We are, we are going to press on. Amen. We know that the race is not given to the swift, but to him who endures to the end. Amen. And I will just be very transparent with you as I always try to be. Uh, even I and my family have recently been attacked by the Spirit. I've had to deal with this. We are still, in some ways and sometimes, we are still dealing with this. So I need to share this today so we can all understand how to deal with this foul spirit from the devil himself. I don't want this fear to hold you back, to hold me back, to hold this church back. 
And if we can understand this today and we can move forward, guess what? We are going to defeat fear. And when we defeat fear, faith is going to rise. And when faith rises, God is going to do what only God can do. Amen. I told you there are spirits that are bold, and then there are other spirits more sly and deceptive. Fear can be both bold and deceptive. I would like to kind of show you maybe how fear manifests itself, so I would like to put a character or a face to that fear, and so you can kind of understand uh, the, the nature of it. Does that make sense? All right, so the first uh, one that I would like to, to tell you about is taunting fear. Taunting fear comes to us uh, in the face or in the character manifestation of Goliath. Goliath. Goliath is the representation of taunting fear. The, this face of fear always enters your life through somebody else. It might be family, it might be friends, it might be somebody close to you. Some of you are getting real nervous. Don't get nervous on me. We're going to be free here in a bit. David wasn't afraid of Goliath. David was not afraid. Everybody else was afraid of Goliath. Amen. And so David comes and they try to make uh, David live in fear of Goliath. Can I tell you that there's a lot of people that, that will try to get you to live in fear? There's a lot of people, amen, that they're, because they're afraid, they want you to live in fear. They want to share that fear with you because fear is contagious. This spirit is contagious. Fear is contagious just like faith is contagious. you got to be careful who you hang around. you got to be careful who you listen to. You Come on, somebody. you got to be careful who you let give you advice because fear is contagious. Don't take on somebody else's fears. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand. Let me just see if I can go a little further. F taunting fear. Taunting. That's what Goliath was. You know what taunting fear wants from you? Let's, let's look at the story of, of Dave. David shows up to the battlefield, right? And everybody's hiding. Everybody's uh, just, just, you know, they're afraid, the Scripture says. The Scripture even says they're afraid. They're hiding. And, and, and I want you to notice that uh, there is one guy. There's one guy. His name is Goliath. And everybody talks about how, how tall he is, how big he is, whatever. Uh, it's, it's one guy. And he is calling out, amen, send me a man. He, he, is, he is calling for them to send him a man. He didn't say, send me two men or send me three men or send me your best ten guys and let's, let's go at it. He was big enough. No, he said, send me a man because taunting fear wants to isolate you. Taunting fear wants to get you in isolation. That's why be, uh, that, that uh, Goliath called out, send me a man, because taunting fear loves to attack when you are by yourself and you feel alone. Taunting fear won't usually mess with you when you're in the house of God or with the people of God, but you get by yourself and taunting fear will try to call you out because it wants to get you in isolation, amen, and gets you to be afraid, and people who are bound by fear will try to pass that fear on to you. And they'll try to uh, keep you from stepping out and being who God wants you to be. And from doing what God wants you to do. And, and, and David said, who is this guy? We, what, is, what is everybody hiding for? 
They said, don't you see? Don't you hear? Man, he will kill you, David. You can't step out. And a lot of times there are those of you, amen, that God wants to use for his glory. That God wants to do something incredible in your life and in your family. And you've got people in your family. You've got friends and people that are close to you that say, oh, no, don't step out. Don't do that. The devil's going to get you. Don't, don't, don't. Come on, somebody. I'm speaking to you right now. And there are people that are close enough to you, amen, that are trying to put their fear on you. Taunting fear. Trying to isolate you. Trying to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. The Spirit will manifest itself to isolate you and keep you from victory. God spoke to me this week. He said some of the people in the church do not have victory because they are taunted by fear and they are isolated and they feel alone. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Saul said, why don't you use my armor? Amen. Saul and many well-meaning people will try to get you. They might be well-meaning, but they are spiritually bankrupt. And they will try to help you, and they will try to tell you, you, should, you shouldn't do this in your life. You shouldn't do that. And they, they try to keep you, amen, back because they're afraid that you might actually live for God and be who God has called you to be. And so they say, hey, why don't you do it like I would do it? You know what the crazy thing about it is? Why didn't Saul just do it? If the armor's so good, why don't you put it on, Saul, and go? But he didn't. He wouldn't. So they're trying to get you to put their failure on, their fear on, what they won't even use to go out and fight. They say, well, you know, if you're going to go, you might as well go in this. Don't let people keep you from God's purpose in your life. I don't care if it's your dad or your mom or your brother or your sister or somebody that's close to you just because they've got fear of what's going to happen in their life and they're being taunted by fear. Don't let, come on, you are a child of God. You are a, come on, you are a child of the King. There, he said, I redeemed you. I called you by name. You are mine. Don't let that fear get on you. Don't, come on somebody. If that fear's gotten on you, you need to come to God and say, God, I believe, amen, that you are going to set me free today. Amen. Don't let somebody else's fear become your fear. Well, grandma was scared of this, and dad was scared of that, and mom was scared of this. Mom's afraid that this is going to happen in my life, and dad's You cannot live under other people's fear. That is a spirit. That is the spirit of fear. And it is taunting you. It is trying to isolate you. Goliath's mistake, though, was that he thought David was coming with a stick. He thought David was coming with a stick. Read it in 1 Samuel 17, 43. It says, you come at me with staves. That means a stick. Goliath, you know, I don't know if he was like me and had to have glasses and he couldn't see real well without his glasses. I don't know. But he looked and he couldn't see David's bag of rocks. All he saw was a stick. (laughs) That was his mistake because he couldn't see what David had in the bag. Can I just say it like I feel it today? The reason the enemy is taunting some of you so much is because the spirit of fear can't see what's on the inside of you. 
God has placed some things down on the inside of you that if you would ever just take them out and release them, it would knock giants down. It would clear a path for victory in your life and the lives of people around you. Come on. You ought to let hell know, I got some weapons to fight with. I've got a little bit more on the inside of me. Greater is he that is in me. He gave me gifts and callings and and talents and abilities that I'm supposed to use. Mm. Mm. Some of y'all need to let hell know that it's it's time. It's over. I've had enough. Now, here's, here's how you deal with a taunting spirit of fear. I'm gonna, I, I'm, I promise, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm not just going to tell you about the spirit of fear and leave you hanging. Here's how you deal with the spirit of taunting fear. You talk back to it. You talk back to it. <laughs> I know, I know. Some of you like... <laughs> Read the story in 1 Samuel 17. David says, you come to me with a spear and a sword and a shield, and I come to you in the name of the Lord. You've got to talk back your enemy until it leaves you alone or you knock it down and take its head off. You got, come on somebody. I want you to notice what David said. He said, you come to me with. That means your protection, your hope. It's all in these other things. He said, I come to you in. When David came, he knew that it wasn't going to be just a a sling. It wasn't going to just be a stone. He said, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And when he came in the name of Jesus, amen, the power of God was with him. And he said, I'm coming to you in. You come at me with, but I'm coming to you in. Some of y'all need to just start talking back to the enemy. You need, come on, you need, to, you need to talk to that spirit of fear. That spirit of fear is taunting you. At night, it's taunting you. When you're by yourself, it's taunting you. When you get in your car, it's taunting you. Come on, somebody. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You need to start talking back to that fear. I wish somebody in this house would get a, a spirit of David and you would rise up and start talking to that fear and say, I will not be defeated. You can come against me, and you can come against my family, but you better keep coming because one of these days, buddy, I'm going to knock you down. One of these days, I'm going to take you out. I know that you've come, and you've got everybody around me afraid. You've got everybody around me scared, but I will defeat you in the name of the Lord. You got to talk back to it. You got to talk back to it. Here's why. Because if you are silent, the enemy thinks you're in agreement. You don't say anything, the enemy's like, oh, they're good with it. It's okay. No, you got to have the spirit of David to talk back to that spirit. I will have victory where I have fear right now. I will have victory where I have fear right now. I will have victory. Let let me just give you a little secret. If the taunting fear could do to you what it says it could do to you and your family, it would have already happened. It's just taunting, so talk back to it. It's just taunting. Just, just, Just talk back. The second mask of fear, way that fear manifests itself, is in the face of Delilah. Delilah is not taunting. She is a tormenting fear. 
Delilah in the Hebrew is feeble. It means feeble, but the Greek derivative of the word, you can look this up for yourself. Uh, I took it right out of the, the New Testament. If you look it up, the Greek derivative of the word for fear is delios, or kind of like Delilah. You know what delios means? Cowardly, fearful. When, when hell couldn't beat big, bad Samson, they hired a little woman with a big mouth. Ladies, don't get, don't get offended. All right? I'm not, I'm not messing with your gender. But they had to try to get in Samson's head. Some people are powerful until the devil gets in their head. And they can preach, they can sing, they do all kinds. And then somehow, some way, the devil uses that tormenting spirit of fear and the devil gets in their head and messes them up and keeps them from being who God has intended for them to be. Can I tell you this? We need victory. We, we need victory. We, we, you know what? Hell wants to take somebody out here. Hell is trying to torment some of you, and some of you are in constant torment. Amen. If the devil could take you out, he would have done it already, but he can't do it. It's just tormenting you, and I've got to tell somebody here today, you've got to get the devil out of your head. You've got to get that spirit of fear off of your mind. I want victory in this house today. I don't want just temporary altar call victory. I want victory that goes home with us. I want victory that gives us peace in our darkest nights and causes hell to shut its mouth. I want somebody in this house to be set free today. Spirit of fear is tormenting you. You're dealing with this every day and it seems like you're exhausted and day in and day out and there's no relief and we, we've got to have victory. Delilah was tasked with finding Samson's strength any way she needed to. You know the scripture, 1 John 4, it says, fear hath torment. Fear, your fear is tormenting you. Delilah was a tormentor. The scripture says she came to Samson and she's like, what's the secret of your past? What's the secret? What's the secret? How, how, what's your strength? How do you get the strength? And how, what, what is this about you? And how do we do this? And what is, it, what is the secret? I want to know the secret, Samson. Samson, tell me. Please tell me. Why aren't you telling me the secret, Samson? One point, the, the, if you read the his, history books about that whole story because that's one of the, the judges of Israel. If you read, you'll find out that, that what happened was, was Samson got irritated. He left her for a little while, and she actually would scream at him from the other side of the street, tell me, Samson, tell me what's your secret. She tormented him. She became his living nightmare. Some of you are like, I know some people like that. But I'm not talking about flesh and blood. I'm talking about a spirit that wants to torment you, wants to bring up your past, wants to bring up, amen, some things in your present, and wants to talk about things. But just like uh, isolation is the method of taunting fear, relaxation is the method of tormenting fear. Relaxation. What do you mean, pastor? If the devil can't convince you that you will lose, he wants to convince you just to relax in your torment. It's never going to get better. I, I don't know. I just, I'm just going to learn to live with it. 
I'll still go to church, but I don't need to go to the altar. Pastor might, you know, he might actually do one of those Sundays where he gets everybody to the altar, but I won't get a breakthrough. I'll do enough to appear to be faithful, but I'm not expecting anything to change. Your mind says things to you like, I'll just be comfortable in who I am and what the devil tells me I can have rather than challenge the status quo. That's learning to live in your torment. This is a tormenting spirit. It's a tormenting spirit. And and what happens is you get so used to it. and, And so she vexed him day in and day out. She tormented him day in and day out. He got to the place. And and, and I have looked several times at the scripture and the story, and I've said, Why didn't you just leave her, Samson? Why didn't you just walk away? Why didn't you say, I've had enough woman? And, and that's what the history books say he tried to do, but she followed after him. Some of you, you've tried to get away from it. You've tried to escape. You've tried to pull away all by yourself, but there is a tormenting spirit. And, and when you go to sleep, that's a lot of times when the devil, if he can't get to you while you're awake, he will try to get to you while you're asleep, and when you go to sleep with the tormentor, there are some bad days coming. The Bible says she vexed him, and he finally told her his secret, and she finally had something on him. You would think that he would have learned, but he didn't learn, and he kept on, and so he fell asleep, and when he closed his eyes, he, she cut his hair, and she told him, uh, you know, just go ahead, it's okay, just go on to sleep, and, and he relaxed, and he relaxed to the place where he fell asleep, and, and then the Philistines came, and they captured him, and they arrested him, and, and they put out his eyes, and they made him go into the prison, and they made him walk around the, the mill, and they made him grind at the mill for at least two years, and, and, and I can tell you that that I, I believe fully that Delilah, whenever Samson was being taken out, she said, oh, look at you, Samson. Look at how great you are now. You're so stupid, Samson. You're so dumb. I tricked you, and you knew it was coming, and you still did it anyway. What a failure. God will never use you again. Look at what you've become. And for two years, Samson had to hear the tormentor's voice in the dark. For two years, he had to push this this grind around. He had to push this mill around. and, And without a vision, the people perish. Amen. This is what happens when you fall asleep with the tormentor in your life. This is what happens when you relax and you say, I'm just going to learn to live with it. I'm just going to learn to deal with it. You lose your vision. And eventually, if you don't get it back, you will perish. Can I, can I just go into this a little bit? Samson, uh, you, know, you know the story. If you don't know the story, I, I challenge you to read it uh, for yourself. But, but Samson gets to the place in his life where he gets his prayer life back. Samson had gotten uh, lost a little bit. He lost his way, and, and the tormentor had messed him up really good. And, and finally, amen, when there was nothing else left and he was just hearing the tormentor's voice, he got his prayer life back. 
What did Samson pray and how did Samson pray? I, I, can't, I can't tell you everything that Samson prayed. We only have a small portion of it captured in the Scripture. But I can tell you that there is private prayer that's needed in your life if you want to defeat the tormentor. You, you can't expect to beat the spirit of fear with just a few minutes a day of prayer. Come on, you can't beat a spirit of fear that's tormenting you in your life with a now I lay me down to sleep and God bless my food prayer life. You've got, come on somebody, you've got to spend time in talking to God. You've got to spend time, amen, seeking after what God wants and saying, God, how can I be free? What will, what will I need to do? What things do I need to lay down? What things do I need to pick up? I'm ready, God, to be who you want me to be. The importance of his prayer life cannot be understated because we noticed that it was when Samson prayed. You know what he prayed? We know this. He prayed, God avenge my eyes. He didn't say, God avenge my hair. Now, I would have thought, you know, he would have been mad about the hair because the hair is what caused everything else, right? But he didn't say, God avenge my hair. He said, God avenge my eyes. Because he lost his vision. And, and, and I will just go into this just for a second. Some of us need to get our vision for our lost loved ones back. Some of us, we love our family. We want to see our family saved. We want to see our friends saved. We want, and we've lost that vision because of that tormenting fear in our life. Amen. That has taken the vision from us. Because we've gotten so comfortable with it. We feel like we are going round in circles and never getting anywhere. But God wants to avenge you. He wants to give you that lost vision back. He wants to give, come on, if you'll get your prayer life back, He'll start breathing new life into you. He'll start bringing that power back into your life. You've got to go to God and say, God, avenge me. I want to see my lost family members. I want to see them in the altar. I want to see them with hands raised. I want to see them speaking in tongues. I want to see them worshiping you and pray until you see it happen in your eye, in your mind's eye, and believe that God is going to do what he promised he would do. And Samson prayed, God heard his prayer. Historians and theologians say that Delilah was on the roof of the temple. They were celebrating their God. And the facts of the, that we find in the Bible says that they were, they were mocking him and they were making sport. They were, uh, the, they were throwing things at the blind man. <laughs> Nobody noticed that his hair had started to grow back. They should have kept, man, they should have kept on that. They knew that was the deal. They should have kept on that. But you know what? The devil messes up. The devil is not as, as brilliant as we give him credit for being. They were throwing things and making sport of the blind champion, but when he pushed. Some of y'all need to learn how to push in prayer. I'm just going to say it. Some of y'all, you got to get beyond just a little cutesy, nice Jesus, please touch them. Pray. You got to push. God, I need them to be saved. God, I want to see their souls saved. God, would you do it in their life? God, would you heal them? God, deliver them. Come on, some of you got to learn how to push. Samson said, I'm going to push until something happens. I'm going to push until this, this temple comes down. I'm going to push until this spirit of fear, it, of torment is destroyed in my life. Delilah's on the roof. You know the story. 
Samson pushes until the fear is destroyed. Samson pushes until all of the enemies, amen, that surrounded him. And he killed more in his death than he did in his life. Because finally, he got back to the place where he said, God, it's all about you and your glory. Avenge me. Let them know that you are the only true God. And as he pushes, amen, something happens. Everybody that had conspired against him, the spirit of fear that came through Delilah, everything was destroyed because you can defeat this tormenting spirit of fear in your life that wants to get you just to relax. You can beat it by prayer. You can defeat it by pushing in prayer. Amen. The third face, and I, there's only four, don't get nervous. The third face is the face of Jezebel. Now we could spend, I could spend weeks on Jezebel. But let me just talk about how it relates to fear. This manifestation of the spirit of fear can be both bold and deceptive. Whereas, you know, Delilah, she's a little bit more cunning and crafty and tormenting and, you know, just kind of staying hidden and, you know, Goliath is real bold. Well, Jezebel can be both. We see this in the scripture. Jezebel calls herself a prophetess, right? Isn't that funny? She calls herself a prophetess. Many people do this today. I can't tell you how many times somebody come, you know, I'm prophetess so-and-so, I'm evangelist so-and-so, I'm pastor so I'm bishop so-and-so. Oh, well, okay. Do you know there's a lot of people that call themselves prophetesses and preachers and pastors and bishops? They call themselves that. And sometimes they do more good for Satan than they do for God. I, I hope I didn't offend you there. I, I hope I didn't make you too nervous. But be very leery of somebody who comes up and they identify themselves as. <laughs> Why? Because many people think that they're God's gift to people. And every time they speak, it's like the utterance of God. See Herod. Some of y'all didn't even get that. See, that's why you need exploring God's Word. You need a Bible study. You need to know what I'm talking about. Herod thought he was God's gift. Everybody started telling him how awesome he was. And he, he, didn't, he didn't tell him to stop. God struck him dead right there. Well, y'all were waiting on that well, weren't you? That wasn't even in my notes. Jezebel hates the real. She hates the real. She manifests when people start having a real move of God in their life. Jezebel kills the weak. She comes after them because she, she hates them. She wants, to, she wants to take everyone that loves God and that fears God and puts God first. She wants to take them out. And, and so when people start having a real move of God in their life, she's like, hold up. We're going to come at that. She makes people hide out in caves. Even Elijah ran from her. I, this is what really triggered this whole thing. I'll be honest with you. This is where this all started. I was in my Bible reading uh, over this past week, and this, this trigger happened. I said, God, why does Elijah, who just calls fire down from heaven and destroys all the prophets of Baal, why in the world, I have always struggled with this, why does he run from Jezebel? It really bothers me. And I, 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 I was struggling with it, and I, I didn't understand that it was a spirit of fear. And so, 
I wanted to just look at it, and I, I started looking at it, and, and I want you to notice the difference. There's something else. I just talked about how prayer helps us defeat tormenting fear. I want to talk about how fasting will help us uh, with, with Jezebel, and Jezebel is threatening fear. Here's how fasting helps you with threatening fear. Now, do you notice, before Elijah fasted, he ran from Jezebel 90 miles into a desert, but after he goes on a 40-day fast, he comes back and he prophesies, Jezebel, you're going to die. That's what the power of fasting can do in your life. If you're fighting with fear, maybe you need to push back the plate this week and say, God, put the faith in me that's greater than this fear. God, give me the authority to use against this spirit that's plaguing me and threatening me and my family. So today, one of the things we're going to do, I don't know, what all we're going to do here in just a minute, but before we leave today, guess what we're going to do? We're going to fast this week. I want everybody to take at least one day of fasting this week, and I want you to pray that the spirit of fear be broken off of this church and everybody in this church. I want you to pray specifically for it. The reason that Jezebel hates the real is because she is a fraud, and she, she really lies about everything. She lies about everybody. You can't trust Jezebel. She, she, she does this to everybody she can. She destroys everybody she can until she gets to a little nobody called Jehu. The prophet Elijah anoints Elisha. God told him to anoint uh, Haziel, and, and uh, he, he said, I want you to go, and he told him to anoint three people, but Elijah only anointed one, but Elisha ends up anointing the other two, and they end up doing what God said was going to happen anyways, but the, the, the whole point is that fear and intimidation, this threatening fear, Jezebel is coming at some of you. Threatening fear, just like uh, the, the taunting fear wants isolation, and the tormenting fear wants relaxation. Threatening fear wants intimidation on you. She says, when, when, notice when Jehu comes, right? You, you know the story. Uh, Jehu's anointed to be king, and, and uh, Jehu's pronounced as the king, and he comes out, and uh, Jezebel's son comes out and says, is it peace, is it peace? And he kills him. I guess not. And, and so then he goes all the way to Jezebel's house. And Jezebel, we, we talk about how Jezebel painted her face. And I've heard preachers say she was trying to seduce him. And so I don't believe any of that mess. I believe that spirit was manifesting itself. And so, so Jezebel comes. And I want you to pay very close attention to what Jezebel says. She says this whenever, look, look at your Bibles and find it. She says, is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? She's trying to threaten him there. Is it peace? You, you know what? You remember what happened to Zimri, who murdered his master? The same thing's going to happen to you, Jehu. You better back off. But here's a very important point, and I know I'm probably so deep, some of you have just totally written me off now. Please stay with me just a minute. She's trying to intimidate Jehu, and Jehu does not try to take on Jezebel. He, he just ignores her. He realizes that it's a spirit, and this is what he does. He realizes he cannot take her alone. What some of you need to realize is that when you have threatening fear in your life, you cannot handle it alone. 
you need somebody. So what does Jehu do? He says, who's on my side? There's a few guys that look down from the window at him, and he says, throw her down. (laughs) And they threw her down. Some of you are like, ew. Yeah. And you know what? It gets even worse because everything that God said was going to happen through the prophet happened. The dogs did lick Jezebel's blood. There was nothing of Jezebel left. And some of you are like, that's disgusting. That's gross. Do you know why Jezebel has such trouble with authority? Because she can't fight against it. And so Jezebel, that spirit manifests itself because when Jezebel tried to uh, threaten the authority that God had placed in Jehu, she got crushed. She got destroyed. And so that spirit of Jezebel keeps rising up. We see it in the book of Revelation, the spirit of Jezebel rising up. Uh, some of you, we've, we've talked about this for the last uh, several weeks in our Seven Churches of Revelation series. You understand Jezebel, that spirit is still alive and well, that threatening spirit. Amen. If there's ever been a threatening spirit, there is a threatening spirit of fear that works on the church today. You cannot defeat threatening fear alone. You need each other. We will only have victory when we come together to defeat this. 1 Peter 3.14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. I move, because I, I know some of you are you're, you're lost. So let me go to phase four. The fourth face is the face of death. It's actually, I, I don't know if we could even say this maybe, but like the devil himself. How many of you felt like you've been in a room and the devil himself tried to make himself shown, manifest to you? Death is a terrorizing fear. That's why you, you hear the phrase scared to death, Right? The Bible talks about there being a fear unto death, right? Death is the worst of fears because the ultimate fear for most of us is death. We're going to die. And, 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 you know, some of us, we get afraid of, well, I don't want this to happen because that's a bad way to die, right? If you say, okay, how do you want to die? Most people are like, peacefully and in my sleep. I don't even want to know it's happened, right? You know, but you start talking, and you know what threatening fear does? Threatening fear starts making you think you're going to die by drowning. You're, you're going to die in this accident. You're going to die if this happens. You're going to die if that happens. And, and so this death, this tormenting, terrorizing fear uh, comes against you. But there's a problem with that because Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says this, For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Now I want you to get this next part. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Ooh, I'm going to say, y'all are going to get set free because I'm going to speak the word. This is the word of God. The word of God is he took death and when he went down into the grave, he defeated Satan and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The devil doesn't have that authority anymore. The devil doesn't have that power anymore. Some of you, all your life, you've been subject to bondage. You've been afraid for your life. You're worried that the devil can take you out. But the devil doesn't have power over your life. Jesus has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. If you die today, the devil didn't take you out. Because the devil can't kill you. 
Come on now. If you got the Holy Ghost, you're baptized in Jesus' name, and you die, then God took you home. But you need to stop giving credit to the devil like he can somehow destroy what belongs to God. The devil doesn't have any power over you. I wish you'd hear me today. Some of you are nervous and afraid, and you've been terrorized by death. You've been terrorized, come on, by the fear that has come against you every time you get in your car. I, I got I got This is why we're not live streaming today. Because some of you, you know this would not play very well on Facebook Live. Here, here's what I got to tell you. There are some of you that the devil tells you every time you get in your car and every time you get on a plane. I'm, te- I'm talking to somebody right now. Every time you get on a plane. I, I'm, we're dealing with this. My wife and I, we're dealing with this in our personal lives right now. And the devil tells you every time you get in the car, you get on a plane, or you're doing something like that, the devil says, this is it. This will be the last time you ever do this. And starts playing scenarios in your mind of what's going to happen. And you feel, you say, well, it's just a little bit of anxiety. No, it's fear. Fear. Anxiety may, may be the, what you feel or what you say it is, but the root of that anxiety is fear. And the devil is trying to terrorize you, amen, and say that he's got control, but he doesn't have control. And he doesn't have authority, amen. If it's your time to go, then God's going to take you and you're going to be with him. But you might as well praise him until that happens. Because if it's not your time to go and you're a child of the king, the devil can't take you out. The devil doesn't have any power over you. Stand with me. I'm, I'm, I need to close. I know I'm, I'm over. Every time something happens, the devil starts speaking to some of you and starts unfolding scenarios in your mind of what's going to happen. Your greatest fears start playing out. And you know what some of us do? We just say, well, we've just learned to live with it. We've just learned to deal with it. And, and we're going to do this. And we're going we're to take medication. And we're going we're gonna to have this. And we're going we're gonna to take care of that. And, but, but we just learned to live with it. I've just learned to accept it in my life. Can, can I just tell you that you can shut the devil down? I'm, I'm coming to some of you, and I'm talking to, to myself. I'm talking to you. We've got to learn how to shut the devil down in our life. How do I do that, Pastor? you got to say, you know what? God has the authority in my life. Amen. He chooses what happens to me. He chooses what happens to my family. If it's my time, then it's my time. But I'm going to praise God all the way till the end. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to give any more credit to the devil for something that he can do to a child of God. He can't have my life. He can't have my family. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. How do you deal with the spirit of fear that's trying to own you? It may be tormenting, it may be taunting, it may be terrorizing, amen, but somehow you've got to deal with it. Amen. And then I came across this and I, Man, this is not all original to me. I, I've, I've studied. I've got several sources that I've gone to. But, but I, I came across this in James 2.19. It says, Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. The last type of fear that I'd like to bring is not a fear that should be on you as much as it should be on the enemy. 
There is a trembling fear that happens, amen, when somebody acknowledges there is only one God. There is only one God, and His name is Jesus. You want to know how to make the devils afraid of you? You want to know how to make the devils tremble? You need to start declaring that there's only one God, and His name is Jesus. Amen. That's what happens when you go into a school, amen, and your school is, is ate up with spirits. You know what you need to do? You need to walk in the halls and say, there's only one God, and His name is Jesus. When you make that declaration in the spirit world, you know what? All the devils in that, that place have to back up. The Bible says they tremble. So when you announce you're a child of the king, amen, you're bought with the blood of Jesus. You've got the name of Jesus and the banner of his blood on your life. And you walk in and you say, there's only one God and his name is Jesus. You just took authority. You just took authority. Some of you need to take authority in your life. Some of you need to walk into your home and shut the television off and say, there's only one God and his name is Jesus. I'm not going to listen to all this other mess. Amen. There's only one God, and his name is Jesus. You need to make the devils afraid of you, and you need to shout the name of Jesus. If I had fear on my life right now, I'd start shouting the name of Jesus. I'd say it. There's only one God. There's only one God, and his name is Jesus. Some of you are like, that's good, Pastor. I like that. I might use that. I'm going to tuck that away for later. Why wait? Why wait? You can use it now. We're going to use it here in a minute. You know what else I found? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, okay, the other version says, Be anxious for nothing. Be fearful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, now get this, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what's going to happen? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you know what happens when you start to give thanks and praise to God? I'm going to just tell you right now, when you start to give praise and thanks to God, see, anxiety is worry about tomorrow, but thanksgiving is thanking God for what happened yesterday. It's hard to have anxiety about tomorrow when you're thankful for what God... Oh, I wish you'd hear me. If some of you just get excited about what God did for you. If some of you just look back and say, Man, I've been through some hard times, but God brought me through. I was sick in my body, but God healed me. I was down to my last time, but he made a way. Amen. My marriage was almost over, but he brought me back together. My children were almost gone, but God filled them with his spirit. I wish somebody in here would get thankfulness and praise in your heart. You need to ask yourself this question right now. Why would God forsake me today if he picked me up yesterday? Why would God do bad to me today if he did good to me yesterday? God's never been bad to me. He's always been good. He brought me this far, and he's not going to leave me now. Amen. So when you give thanksgiving and praise, and you walk in thanksgiving and praise, anxiety has to go. You can't be worried about tomorrow when you're thankful for yesterday. Well, I wish we're going we're gonna to do this in a minute. I'm, I'm just giving you the tools right now. Last thing. Here we go. Do you know what the scripture says in 1 John 4, 18? It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. 
No, it says perfect love casteth out fear. Any fear. Every fear. All fears. Here's what it goes on to say. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And many of you are facing things you can't deal with alone. And you wonder, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to deal with this? What are we going to do? How, how is this going to work out? You know what you need to do? You need to be praying and operating in perfect love. You know, perfect love doesn't, doesn't come and say, oh, man, I love you. And then as soon as I get over here, man, did you hear about that guy? That's not perfect love. That's messed up. Amen. You come tell me you love me, and I know you don't. I can feel it. Amen. You just smile, and you act like you're okay with me, but you're not. I know. I sense it in my spirit because my spirit is is sensing what's going on in your spirit. That's why sometimes I walk up to some of you, and you're like, why is pastor asking me if everything was okay? Because I know something in my spirit's connecting with your spirit saying, wait a second, something's not quite right. Sometimes God doesn't tell me exactly what it is. Sometimes I can't discern exactly what it is, but I know something's not right. Why? Because perfect love casts out all fear. And so when I have perfect love, I'm like, man, I want to see this guy free. I don't want anything plaguing this guy's life. God gave him victory in his life. He died on a cross and he shed his blood. And and I want him to be free. And so when you pray, you're not... Let me say what most of us do when pastor says, hey, would you, go, would you lay hand on somebody and would you pray for them? You know what we do? We do the pretty Pentecostal prayer. Oh, Jesus, please touch Miguel. God, I'm doing this because pastor made me. I'm humoring him. How long do I have to shake my head and look serious and have my hand on his shoulder before I... Y'all know I'm telling the truth. That's why you're laughing. When was the last time you walked up to somebody and said, oh, God, God, you love Miguel so much. God, I pray that you would heal his mind. I pray that you would heal his body. I pray, God, that you would move in his situation. Lord, you know what fear is tormenting him right now. You know, God, what's coming against him, and you begin to pray, amen, with perfect love. And there are some things that you might be going through that I'm not going through. There might be some things I'm going through that you're not going through. But you know what? When we pray in perfect love, we can cast fear off of people. That's why we need each other. Just like JQ needed those guys to throw Jezebel down. We need each other. So this is how we're going to end it. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, you might be knowing that this is coming and you might be resistant to it. And God love you. But I want everybody to come to this altar today. I'd like for everybody just to come as close as you can and, and let's all spread out. We're going to do three things as we, as we close this this message today. The first thing is we're going to start with thanksgiving. I want you to think about everything that God has done for you. And I want you to out loud, I want you to thank God. I want you to thank God like He's standing right here listening to you. I want you to say thank you, God. And whatever comes to your heart, whatever comes to your mind, I want you to begin to thank Him for everything that you can think of. Amen? I want you to start with thanksgiving. That's going to be the first thing. Amen? And then I'm going to tell you what to do next. We're going to move into, once we start, once we finish thanking God, we're going to start declaring it in our life. There's only one God. 
And his name is Jesus. And he is the king and he is the Lord of my life. Amen. And then after we have moved from that, we are going to pray in perfect love for each other. And we are going to pray stuff off of each other by praying with perfect love. Amen. If you got something against somebody, guess what the Bible says to do? Go to them, get it right. Don't go praying for them without perfect love. Don't go to them and say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just doing what pastor said. No, I'm telling you pray for them in perfect love. So you have things in your heart, get it right. Are you with me? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to start thanking God right now. Amen. As they start singing today, I want you just to think of everything that God has done in your life. I want you to think of everything that God has blessed you with. Amen. And I want you to begin to thank Him out loud. Amen. Don't hold back. Don't hold back today. But give God all the praise. Give God thanks for what He's done. If God's been good to you, why don't you tell Him I thank you. God, I praise you right now. Come on, let's do it. Let's give God thanks and praise in our life.